money and prestige and materialism and food and sex and alcohol and drugs. I think those are what I would call shadow desires. We want more out of life than God intends for life to give us at this point. You're listening to 1A, a podcast from First Presbyterian Church, Episode 5. We begin a discussion with Dr. Tom Barbian on his perspective about the issue of desire. In today's episode, we'll look at shadow desires, the importance of community, and hallmarks when someone may need more professional care. I'm Josh Squires, the Minister of Counseling and Congregational Care here at First Pres. Welcome to the 1A, a podcast designed to look at how to apply biblical principles in our day-to-day lives. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and those around you. For more information, you can check us out at our website, which is firstprezcolumbia.org forward slash 1A. That's firstprezcolumbia.org forward slash 1A. You can find all our episodes there, as well as links on how to subscribe. If this ministry is something that you enjoy, we ask that you subscribe and leave comments for us. It is by leaving comments that other people are able to find our podcast more easily when they go to search for it. Speaking of comments, we'd love to receive your feedback by email, tweet, text, or phone call. We are hoping that we can dedicate an upcoming episode strictly to listener feedback. Today, I welcome as our guest, Dr. Tom Barbian, who is the director of the Christian Counseling Center here in Columbia, South Carolina. He's been with us for nearly 20 years and brings with him over three decades of counseling experience. If you're interested in finding out more about him or the Counseling Center, you can check out their website, which is christiancounseling.ws. That's christiancounseling.ws, as in website. Now, let's begin our discussion with Dr. Barbian. Dr. Barbian, you have nearly three decades of counseling experience, and we've been talking about desires. I wonder if you might help us as we think through what is the difference between something that's a worldly desire versus something that might be considered a godly desire. Well, I would view a godly desire as something that was created in us by God, and um, those desires were good and met fully by him prior to the fall, but um, subsequent to that, um, you know, our desires don't work the way God intended them. And, you know, when we tend to think about worldly desires, we think about things like money and prestige and materialism and food and sex and alcohol and drugs. I think those are what I would call shadow desires. They are indicators of something deeper. And, and as I think about our deeper desires, I would put them into basically three categories. You know, our first of those being that we have a desire to feel satisfied, to feel pleasure, not to feel pain, not to feel discontent. Um, we have a desire to feel loved and valuable and significant, not insignificant or unloved or to feel shame. And thirdly, we have a desire to feel in, in control of our lives and our surroundings, not to feel powerless or out of control. And and I think those desires were, were met by God fully prior to the fall, and they will be met again fully in heaven, but in this in-between time, life on earth here, um, God still is the answer. He promises to meet those, but not fully. We will live in a time of discontent or groaning, as Romans 8 tells us. So when someone is pursuing inappropriate desires for sex or pain or fame or money or materialisms or respect, alcohol and drugs, they're really trying to satisfy these deeper desires. Um, and it's helpful when trying to get control over 
quote, worldly desires to understand that there's something deeper I'm, I'm pursuing. If I can figure out what that is and maybe look, look for help in pursuing that deeper desire, um, the struggle for these worldly desires will be less intense. Hmm. So one of the things that I think I hear you saying is, is that this struggle that we have now, this dissatisfaction that we experience in this world, that's normal. That everyone feels that. It is normal. Everyone feels it. And I think some of the problems that people have is accepting that as a reality. We want more out of life than God intends for life to give us at this point. And, you know, if I could get everything out of life, I wouldn't need him. You know, it would short circuit my desire for him. And so God allows us to have some satisfaction, but ultimately he wants us to desire him as the ultimate satisfier of desire, if I can put it that way. Mm. So if it's normal then for you and I and everyone who would listen to this to have our sat or our desires not satisfied, what do we do in those moments when we find ourselves dissatisfied? Well, again, it, it begins with the acceptance of that reality. Um, secondly, I wasn't uh, made to live in isolation where I've got to just fight that desire for something more um, all by myself. Mm. God intended me to, to, to do that in community. And mm. so when I have people who I trust, who know me, who love me, who I can talk through things with when I'm disappointed, when I'm in pain, when I'm worried. It helps me not to reach out to things that aren't going to help. And so living and in, in working in community, I think, is a vitally important part of it. And that's, that's a huge role that the church has to play. Dr. Barbie had just said that community is vitally important. Actually, you've heard that same message from all three groups that we've interviewed so far on this podcast, Christians are meant to be those who live in community with one another. In fact, that's the reason for the name for this podcast, the One Another Podcast, because the information that you hear here on this show is meant not to be just for you, but it's meant to be for those who are around you as well. If you need more convincing, think about this. In the Christian God, there is and always was and forever will be the Trinity. Th three persons in one God, but three persons. They always knew and always have known what it is to be in perfect communion and community with one another. It's one of the things that separates Christianity from every other religion. Also, think about creation. Though God made a perfect man, and he set him down in a flawless creation. It was not good for Adam that he should be alone. Adam needed to be connected to someone. He needed some amount of community. In our current day and age, it can be difficult for us to find community with one another. Because we're moving with jobs or schools, because it's easy for us to be recluse and to pour ourselves into things that don't give back. TV, internet, movies. Instead, we need to be those who set ourselves apart and are intentionally connectional with one another. Now, when we don't do community well, we tend to do it in one of two directions. Either we have no community. 
That is, rather than taking the risk of being vulnerable and being connected to somebody, instead of allowing someone to see your own mess and the mess of your life, to be one who builds you up, who can reprove you and rebuke you, but also encourage you in the Lord, we'd rather be alone. We'd rather go home to our houses and find ourselves in our living rooms or our bedrooms, our man caves, without anybody else around us, and drown ourselves in our own entertainment. Or we do faux community. That's the other way. That is that we are connected to people, but not genuinely. We let them see maybe a little bit of us, but they don't know our heart. Or we're always those who try and serve others, but we don't allow other people to know us. Or maybe we dominate community. We expect everyone to listen to us, but we are unwilling to listen to others. All of those are ways that we have faux community and not real community. Real community should be reciprocal. People should know your heart and know your soul. That doesn't mean we have to be equally transparent with everybody. Not everyone is called to bear our burdens at the same level. Yet if there's not a single person who knows our souls and our hearts, they cannot minister to our very needs. And that, my brothers and sisters, is a problem. Now let's get back to Dr. Barbie. Can you explain maybe a little bit more there, especially... If there's somebody who's not lived in community before, they're inexperienced in what that looks like to live amongst believers and to do that Galatians 6-2, bear one another's burdens um, step. How does someone find their way into community? How are they a contributor to community? Well, I think it's an age-old question that um, the church has struggled with, and even more so now in this uh, industrial slash technological age where we're so splintered apart and when we come to church just on sunday and we gather in a worship service or a sunday school the times for meaningful connection and conversation are limited and so both the church and its its members have to approach this as we want to create opportunities for for connection for conversation to get to know people and to and to go deeper as you say that i think of things like trying to have regular meals with one another, having prayer partners, people that you can call or email with genuine prayer requests, any other practical tips or practical ways that we might be able to begin to get connected to one another? I think one thing is to fight that inclination to isolate. The people that I see most successful in getting, quote, victory over worldly desires, especially ones that have escalated to an addiction, um, are people who have a supportive community. So they've cultivated relationships with people that they can call at any time when they're struggling, that they spend regular time with, um, and they have real conversations with. So those those can't be pro- programmed in. Those mm. people have to take um, the initiative to get to know somebody, to spend some time with them, to, yeah, to say, can we pray together can we hold each other accountable can can we support and and talk to each other when we're struggling those are relationships that that people have to work on the church can't program those in right so i almost hear that the programs and and correct me here if i'm wrong but the programs can act as a sort of scaffolding or a framework but the relationships themselves have to be organic and grow up and strengthen on their own you're right and i think the part of the church's role is to 
to communicate that this is how transformation takes place. Transformation doesn't happen just by listening and gaining some knowledge and that knowledge automatically working. It comes as we live that out together in community. Um, and the church can create a safe place, a place where it's okay to struggle and it's okay to be open and honest about the struggles. And there's there's not shame and judgment. And the church can create a, a community, uh, an environment where community is something normal that we want to do. Can you talk more about that, the when and where it is appropriate for us to share our struggles with one another? If I've seen uh, one thing, it tends to be people can kind of go on one side or the other on this, where either they're incredibly transparent and usually in a, in a larger group, um, and therefore have a tendency to maybe ruffle some feathers, like a, like a Sunday school class, um, telling everybody their marriage struggles or personal sin struggles, or, or go the other way where they don't let anybody in, right? We don't talk about it with anyone because we're afraid someone would see and know us um, and be, you know, uh, offended by seeing our sins. So can you give us any guidelines here? When is, when is it appropriate to share? A couple of thoughts come to my mind. One is um, picking safe people, people who you have spent time with, who there's trust that's been earned and built. Um, a, a second consideration is my reason for sharing. Hmm. Um, you know, if I'm in a, an intimate relationship, I want it to be mutually edifying, not just one where I'm dumping things and expecting the support to come one way. And so checking our motives and say, why am I sharing? And why am I sharing now with, with these people? Um, is it something that they want to hear? Do they have, have they invited me to be that open and honest with them? Hmm. Um, yeah, another thing that I'm concerned with is, is my sharing really helpful to the people who are hearing it, or is it creating um, a burden or problem for them that they that they don't need to bear? And, and I'm thinking primarily of parents and children here. You mm. know that parents have to be careful that they don't share too much with their kids because that may not be helpful. Because when someone is a kind of a dependent relationship. Mm. That may, that may not be the support person I'm looking for. You bring up support persons. There are other support people, like you and I, who do things more uh, professionally. People come in and they see us and they talk to us and we try to help uh, them bear whatever particular burdens that they have. Do you have any red flags or guidelines as to when someone should seek professional help versus just trying to bear this along in a community setting? Well, I think one of the things that a person has to look at is have my legitimate efforts worked? You know, have, have I gotten a realistic expectation of life in this world? Have I tried to understand scripture? Have I pressed into my relationship with God and developed intimacy with there? Have I been open and in community? And if, if those things aren't working, um, it's possible that, um, this worldly desire has become compulsive and, and that may be uh, a time when a person needs professional help. Uh, additionally, we find people who um, are pursuing a specific worldly desire. Again, maybe it's, maybe it's sex, maybe it's food or alcohol or drugs. And that pursuit is, is rooted in maybe some early childhood trauma or wounding, or maybe even some later adulthood trauma. And it's become an escape, a coping, um, Someone in that situation uh, would would benefit from professional help. Okay, so if I hear you correctly, then there's really the idea that 
maybe their structures aren't in place like they could be or should be. They don't have the community, the church, um, whatever might be there to help them bear this burden. Or there could be a particular event or crisis that can generate these things. If it's a childhood crisis or a current crisis, and they might need professional help in order to help them unpack and deal with those particular issues. Is that correct? Yeah, I would say all of that is correct. You know, I'm reminded um, of an old commercial. It used to be a motor oil commercial, and uh, the whole idea was, um, you know, if you don't change oil regularly, your engine's going to blow up. And so the guy would say, you can pay me now or you can pay me later. That's maybe not an appropriate connection when I'm talking about professional help. I don't know. But the idea is sooner rather than later. Sometimes people wait way too long until their lives are completely in disarray. There's a marital separation. They're in legal trouble. They've got health considerations, um, and they haven't dealt with some underlying emotional, psychological, spiritual reasons that if they would have addressed sooner, they might not have so many consequences in their life. Right. Uh, Any particular consequences that you would say, if you reach these, it means you probably need to be seeing somebody? Well, if a person has got a a depression that that, that won't lift, uh, anxiety disorders, if they're suicidal thinking chronic marital problems, when a person is having legal or employment or health consequences, all of those are are definite indicators that a person should have some professional help. You've been listening to 1A, a counseling ministry of First Presbyterian Church. We encourage you to listen to all of our episodes, which you can find on our webpage, which is firstprescolumbia.org forward slash 1A. You can also check us out on all your favorite podcast applications, such as iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, then subscribe. Also, don't forget to tell your friends and family about us as well. If you have comments, questions, or an issue that you'd like us to wrestle with, contact us. You can contact us via email at 1A at firstprescolumbia.org that's 1A at firstprescolumbia.org or on Twitter at 1A Podcast that's at 1A Podcast or you can call us by phone 803-281-1795 that's 803-281-1795 we look forward to seeing you next week and hope that this material has helped you to live out the gospel for each other and for the kingdom until then God bless God bless